Hey, thank you so much for checking out today's video. I'm Pastor Matt, this is Pastor Adrienne, and we pray this message blesses you and encourages you all throughout your week. Absolutely. For any more information on how to be praying with us or to become a part of our community or to give, please head on over to takeovergera.com. Well, uh, yeah, wow. Um, it is with great remorse that I have to announce to church today that we have parted ways with Zach Kramer. Uh, you know, many are called, but few make the cut. You know what I'm saying? Oh, man. Hey, can you give it up for Grant on the keys back here holding it down? Oh, man. Um, happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. Happy Juneteenth. Happy anniversary. Happy move out day. Happy all the good things. Amen. Amen. Uh, if you know me and you've been at church uh, the last few weeks, you would know that my family personally has been going through some things. And not going to lie, I, uh, I didn't really assess uh, that today was going to hit me the way that it did as far as Father's Day goes. Um, so today, I come with ill intent for the gates of hell. Today, I come with a problem. Today, I come to make the devil pay for every single thing he's tried to stole from me, try to steal from you, try to steal from those that we love and we care about, all the marriages that he's ransacked, all the purity that he's robbed, all of the things that he's tried to do, amen? Today, we came to kick the devil in the teeth and take back what he has stolen from us. By the grace of God, Jesus, amen? So today, I'm going to preach it how I feel it. We're going to get after it, and then we're going to enjoy some time with our fathers and with our family and with people we love and we choose and uh, it's going to be a good day. Sound good? Fantastic. Anybody got some root beer? It's over there. Lord, don't start talking until you start drinking. Root beer? It's good. It's good. I did almost on accident buy not your father's root beer. Uh, I'm glad that I've, I realized upon... It, Meyer puts the, the, the root beer next to the alcohol. I didn't know, okay? Uh... It was like, not your father's root beer, RC, Cola, Fago, and then what we bought. And it was all in the same place. So, and if you know me, I don't read well. Like, it's a thing. So this morning, if you're taking notes, where are my note takers at? Note takers are history makers. Come on. Come on. The title of my message is, are you ready? I am ready. I am so ready. The title of my message is, the authority and the rock. The authority and the the rock come on as well as we're going to hit the prayer of the jesus people and it's going to be good amen all right it's up on the screen recite it after me you ready who's got their prayer voice on come on all right the jesus people prayer here we go father god build your church that the gates of hell would not prevail against her Give us your heart. Give us your words. Give us your power. Creating us a zeal for your house. And a longing. And a longing. And a longing for your presence. Fill. Purify. And mark us. Mark us. Mark us. Make us. 
like Jesus, like Jesus, like Jesus, set us apart, make us a holy nation, make your presence known, here, 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 come on, establish signs and wonders among your people, pour out your spirit upon us we will be your people you will be our God we declare your kingdom come your will be done in our city as it is in heaven let revival come let revival come let revival come and the Holy Church of God said Praise Him, praise Him, praise Him. Come on. He is so good. He is so able. His word never returns void, even when I spell it incorrectly. Praise God. How did I get another spelling error in there after I corrected it last week? I, uh, just blondes, right? Blondes. Uh, the authority and the rock. You got your Bibles? All right, we're coming out of Matthew, Matthew 7, 21 through 29. It'll be up on the Sky Bible behind me. And give it up for, we got Kenny G holding down the sign. He does not play the saxophone, but you think he would? And hold it up for, yo, give it up for Adrian holding it down in the booth. Running the Sky Bible, come on. Woo, all right. Matthew 7, 21 through 29. If you got a Bible, open it up. If you don't, look on a Christians. It'll be good, it'll bless you. 7, 21 through 29. Here we go. Ready? Not everyone. All right, Jesus. <laughs> Not everyone. Okay. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does, the will of my Father who is in heaven, on that day many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name? Do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. All right, Jesus. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a, a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall. It did not fail because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell. And great, great was its fall. And when Jesus finished these things, say, we finished these sayings, the crowd was astonished at his teachings for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes or their priests. So we're gonna pray. And we're going to get into it. Sound good? <sighs> Father God, we just come before you right now. King of kings, Lord of lords. Father, we, we're a holy nation. We're a royal priesthood. We're your kids. We've been adopted into your family. And so today, God, today, as great as it is to celebrate the amazing 
fathers. As great as it is to celebrate the amazing freedom that came proclaiming the good news of slavery being abolished in Galveston, Texas, some two months after it was decided. Father, I just, I can't help but sit back and just thank you for being the father above every other father, for being the freedom above every other freedom, God, that when we fail as frail and fragile humans, God, you are still a good, good father, and you are still the one whom sets the sons free and the daughters free, God. You are true fathership. You are true freedom, God. When we fail and fall short, I just want to say thank you, God, for being God. Thank you for who you are, God. And I just proclaim today, I just ask today, God, that in this moment, in this service, Father, just like our natural fathers, as we grow up and people say, man, you sound just like your dad. You look just like your dad. Your mannerisms are just like your dad. God, I pray for a church today that as we leave this building and we go into our families and our workplaces and our hobbies and we go into all the world, God, what would be a resounding sound, what would be a, a common trait amongst the people found here today is that the outer world, the fallen world, those still far from God would look upon your sons and your daughters and they would say, wow, you sound just like your dad. You look just like your dad. Your mannerisms are just like the heavenly father. You claim to live. I want that testimony in the earth, God. So please, Father, do all that you can and all the power under heaven and earth to make your kids today look more like you, to look more like Jesus. Holy Spirit, come. Have your way in us. We don't want to leave here today looking like ourselves. We want to leave here today looking like you. Restore us, Father, to that image and likeness in Genesis. Thank you, God, for everything you've done, everything you're doing, and as my father-in-law always says, that you're about to do. In Jesus' mighty name of faith-filled Jesus, people said, amen. Come on. The authority and the rock. The authority and the rock. Man, I'm telling you, I am telling you, I am, I'm upset today. I really am. Man, I didn't know it was going to hit me like this, but I'm telling you, today the mission is clear. We rob hell. We stop it. We put our sword in the sand and we say we will remain here when all else falls away we will stand firm in our beliefs and our convictions we will believe the bible the whole bible and nothing but the bible so help us god and we will be here and we will not allow somebody say i will not allow i will not allow i will not allow my friends my family this city this state our nation, this region, I will not allow it to go to hell in a handbasket. I won't. Not on my watch. Not on your life. Not ever. So we believe the Bible. We're going to preach the Bible. We're going to go after it because the word of God is the only truth. 
it remains when all else fades everything will wither everything will die there is time for death there is time for life there's seasons there's resurrection but the one thing that outlasts everything is the word of god so therefore my allegiance to anyone in anything that will outlast everything is to the word of god amen and i believe that's where the power is i believe that's where the truth is i believe that is where life itself is found and so today that is what we are going after because I don't know about you, but I can see it. I can see it. I can sense it in the spirit. I can see it in the world and in the natural. Man, the time is ripe this summer. You believe it. This summer we will see, we will witness the return of the Jesus people. Amen. Our world is in desperate need of the Jesus people. The kingdom of God is in desperate want and desire of the Jesus people to again rise up. We are in a desperate need of the Jesus people to return. And I'm not just talking about, I'm not talking about religious people. I'm not talking about every person who claims the name of Christ. We'll get to that. I am not talking about people who have made a career off the name of Jesus. No, 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 no. I am talking about a return of the church, a return of the bride of Christ. I am talking about when the bride returns to Jesus and revival breaks out. That is what I am looking for. Man, right now, we live in a time and a place where I'm, I'm, I am so serious right now. Our city needs Jesus. Hear me today. Our city needs Jesus. The people around us needs Jesus. This region, our state, our nation needs Jesus. Matt, it's Father's Day. What's going on? Yeah, and I'm doing my father's business today. It is Jesus. We need to have a return to Jesus. I am so sick. Somebody say, I'm so sick. I like it when you do that. It makes me feel good. I am so sick. I want you to get the same convictions. I am so sick and tired of church being about good self-help messages and leadership messages. I'm over it. I am over it. I don't need your best one-liners. I don't need encouragement of myself. I need more of Jesus. I need more of God. I need more of the Holy Spirit. I need a move of heaven within me because he is life itself. So if you came to church today for a self-help message, I don't have one. If you came to church today for a leadership message, I'll give you one. You want it? Can I give you the best leadership message you'll ever hear in your life? The best leadership message I can give you right now? Learn to lead yourself to Jesus better. Learn to lead yourself to Jesus well. If you will lead yourself to Jesus well, you will lead in every other area even better. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? Fathers, where's my dad's at? Put your hands up, where my dad's at? Love my dads, come on. Dads, you wanna learn how to lead your house better? Learn to lead yourself to Jesus first. 
Am I preaching to anybody this morning? I am telling you right now, we are in desperate need of the church being the bride again, the church being the Christians again, the church being Jesus' people again. And Jesus' people, by definition, lead themselves to, to Jesus. To Jesus. Man, right now, it is dark outside. Matt, where's the good news? This is the good news. This is the good news. Because when it's darkest, we shine the brightest. When it's darkest, the, the, the world is ripe and ready for some good news. When everything is septic around us, there is the taste and see that the Lord is good of the church. Amen? This is the good news because, friends, we are, we are desperate for Jesus to return, right? Jesus won't return until his people return. Jesus won't return until the Jesus people return. Amen. Come on. His bride will be blameless. She will be built. She will be beautiful. She will be sinless. She will be pure. She will arrive on that day in white. She's got to return first. Friends, we have got camps and tribes within the bride where there should be no division. We have got camps and tribes in the bride right now who are out here affirming and commissioning and agreeing with sin, all in false hopes of being a bridge to the fallen world. The greatest bridge to the fallen world is a man, his name is Jesus, and when he walked the earth, he walked the earth as the greatest bridge to the fallen world, but he did so without compromise. I appreciate anybody this morning. So our call to be the bridge, so to speak, to a fallen, broken, hurting, dying, messed up, lost without God world is to be done so without compromise. Without compromise. Friends, I came today to say this. Their rock is not our rock. Their rock is not our rock. Their authority is not our authority. Their authority is not our authority. Their rock is not our rock. Their rock is not our rock. Will you say it with me? Their rock is not our rock. It's not. We don't build the same. We're different. We are set apart. We are weird. And I love it. It's amazing. I had a guy leave church one time. Well, he quit believing in Jesus first. But he, he left church one time. I was like, I'm just sick of Christian jargon. Like, you say seasons a lot. One, the Lord said it first, which you don't believe in, so ipso facto. I get it. But two, we are supposed to be different. I'm sorry that the fallen world doesn't have great language to describe parts of the world and parts of life, but seasons is a great phrase. I know exactly what you mean when you say that. Instead of someone being like, hey man, how you doing? You're like, oh, I'm just like, really like, eh, it's just one of those, eh. And you're like, what is eh? What is this? What is eh? I don't understand. The world gets it because they're all out there going, yeah, I'm eh too. And I'm like, so you're going through a wilderness season? Oh yeah, that's great vocabulary. It is. There's a guy, he made everything. He did it. Like, Listen. We are to be set apart, but if we're going to be set apart, we have to do so in order. Can I say that to you right now? We have to do so in order. Two things can be true at the same time. Much like there is a camp out there who is agreeing and affirming and commissioning sin all to reach the world, there is another 
another camp of us that is attempting to live this thing called being a Christian, but they're doing it in the wrong order. You see here, friends, the Bible declares emphatically, glory follows order. Glory follows order. Glory follows order. Matt, what's glory? God's power. God's power always follows God's order. So two things can be true at once. You can be both a Christian and an American, but it has to be in that order. You cannot be an American and then be a Christian. Sorry, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Glory doesn't follow America first and Jesus second. Can I say that again? Come on, glory doesn't follow America first and Jesus second. It just doesn't. And this is good news. Why? Because that makes you and I the freest people in the freest country. That makes us the freest people to be a blessing to the freest country. You don't understand. We don't have to play by the rules because their authority is not our authority. Their rock isn't our rock. How they live isn't how we live. We're different. And that means that I can stand on God's word and be unashamed. That means I can stand and tell the truth and say, no, actually, pride comes before the fall. It means I can stand here and I can say, your issue's not with me, it's with Jesus. But he created everything, so I would think twice before having an issue. We're different. Their rock is not our rock. And here's the deal, we got another camp of people who are trying to bring about a revival and resuscitation and a redemption of a nation. But they're doing it by reciting political party jargon. Friends, the word of God says, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. It does not say you will recite your political party's best one-liners and it will bring revival to your land. It doesn't say that anywhere. Friends, I am all about it. Okay, you know me. I, I mean, I hate politics, but I'm all about it because I want to see people who don't know any better have kingdom principles and rules established in this country to help it function better, okay? That's what I want. So we can help save them from themselves. I think we can all agree on that, right? I haven't said, I haven't said anything divisive yet. The most divisive thing is my hair color. Anyways, um... And by divisive, I mean me and everyone else. Uh, don't you judge me. Thank you. You're not supposed to lie in church. But anyways. Um, but friends, here's the deal. Here's the deal. There's one name. There's one authority. There is one rock that will bring about revival in our country. And revival, make no mistake about it, is the only hope for this country. Jesus is the only hope for this nation. It's the only hope. It's the only hope. I am all for conservative talk news. I am for it. But my hope is not found in it. I love louder with Crowder, but I'd rather be louder with Jesus. I love the Daily Wire, but I'd rather the Daily Bread. I got a million of them. I got a million of them. I got a million of them. I used to like Fox News. And they, 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 then they did something stupid. But I prefer Song of Solomon that says, Catch the little foxes, my love, before they ruin the vineyard. That one wasn't as good. Admittedly. 
But this is what, this is what's at stake right now. We need a return to the Jesus people. The kingdom of God needs a return to the Jesus people. But if the Jesus people are ever gonna return, they need to understand our rock is not their rock. Our authority is not their authority. Their rules are not our rules. Their speech is not our speech. Their standard is not our standard. Their flag is not our flag. Do you understand today? Their blood is not our blood. Their family is not our family. And I'm not here to make us separate from them. I'm trying to get you on mission so you will understand. You have a solid foundation of which to offer everyone outside these walls who are drowning. Because that's what revival is. Charles Spurgeon says revival is like pulling a dead man from the thrills and the throes of a raging water and then resuscitating him back to life. That's revival where we grab a country that is drowning, a city that is drowning, and their own sin and their own brokenness and their own depression and suicide and being far from God, we rescue them from the throes of a rushing water and we breathe on them and we bring them into the home and we get them warm and we teach them and we bring them back to life. Our rock is not their rock. Their authority is not our authority. I love this piece of scripture. I love this piece of scripture because here's Matthew. And I love Matthew. Matthew is my favorite of the gospels. It's not just because it's my name, but it's my favorite because of his situation and where he comes from and who he is. John is great. John's my second favorite. John's my favorite for when I just need to get down to it. Like, John don't pull no punches. He doesn't really give a whole lot of context. He just goes, yeah, we rolled up, Jesus did some cool stuff, and we bounced. And then he finishes up his whole gospel with saying, uh, and if I was to write everything that Jesus did, the, the world isn't big enough for the books it would take. Like, that's John, and that's awesome, and I love that. Matthew, however, is my favorite because Matthew, well, he's a man with a past. <laughs> he's a man who done some things. He's a man who has been a part of some things, who, uh, here's the deal. Matthew, he's, he, he starts this thing off, but really where I want to begin this morning isn't in the beginning of his passage right here. It's actually at the end of the passage. You see, Matthew, he, he, he ends this message. He's, he's, he's writing about Jesus preaching. Jesus is preaching all of these things. And the reason I want to start with the end is because then we can paint a picture of how we got here. But he makes this statement that I think is just brilliant. He says, they were astonished by his teachings because he spoke with authority. And the reason that is so incredible and the reason we need to understand that today is because Matthew's not speaking from the perspective of a Christian. Matthew's not speaking from the perspective of a Jewish person. Matthew is Jewish by birth, but but Matthew doesn't live a Jewish life. He doesn't practice Judaism because Jews at the time would never find themselves being a tax collector for Caesar. In fact, Matthew's whole job, the way he makes money, has an income, is literally by swindling and beating up and sending guys out to go and get taxes. Remember Zacchaeus later on, Zacchaeus little gangster? That's also Matthew. I mean, they're not the same guy, but that's what Matthew did. That was the same job. Matthew was and is a tax collector. And so why this is important to know is because Matthew, when he says that Jesus spoke with authority, unlike the scribes, 
it's important to know this because he's not speaking from, oh, I, I know years of Torah. I know years of Old Testament. I know years of, of all of this and, and God Almighty. Like, he's not speaking from that perspective. He's not speaking about God Almighty, far off God. Maybe he exists, maybe he doesn't. I'm a Jewish person, so I do this by birth. Like, he's not speaking from that place and position. When he says authority, he's meaning in the context, the same context of which an actual, factual, empire, powerful, not, not toothless, but something that is able to move in might and power and severity with consequence and wrath. When he says, he speaks with authority, he's talking like, hey, you guys know how we're all underneath Caesar's rule, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when Caesar says, pay up, you pay up, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when Caesar says, jump, you say how high, right? Yeah, 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 we get all that. That is the kind of authority that Matthew is talking about here, except even greater, because he's God. And so it's important for us to recognize today, Jesus is not a far off God. He's not a guru. He's not self-help. He's not on Oprah's top 100 reading lists. He is not a daytime doctor with a talk show. It's not just good advice. It's not, hey, maybe, maybe you should try this. Maybe kind of sort of this will work out for you. He doesn't give suggestions. When Jesus speaks, he doesn't give suggestions. He gives divine rules. Hear me today. When Jesus speaks, he doesn't give powerless suggestions. When Jesus speaks, he gives divine rules. And those divine rules come locked, stocked with two smoking barrels of creative power. You see, so often we'll hear things about authority in Scripture that the word of God should be the authority for our life, that Jesus should be the authority for our life, that we should be live underneath subjection and liberation to the Holy Spirit as the divine authority in our lives. We hear this word, but we don't take it serious. And we don't take it serious because we don't take Jesus serious, because we still have a far off kind of sort of suggestion, understanding of authority. But when Matthew speaks of authority, he's saying, think about it. There's consequence if you don't follow what Caesar says under Caesar's rule. But imagine, imagine that if Caesar was the king of the universe. That's the kind of power. That's the kind of divine, creative, life-giving authority that Jesus is speaking from. Jesus doesn't have good thoughts and sweet tweets. He's got the power of life and death itself in his words. He doesn't give powerless suggestions. He gives divine rules. And in those divine rules, friends, hear me one more time, is creative power. And why that's good news for you and me is because that means that when we are helpless, when we're not living a life that is helpful, when we got no hope, when we are down, we are out. Man, there is the God in heaven firmly upon his throne and in his words, his authority is life itself. Life itself. But so often here we are, we're going, yeah, but did Jesus really say that? Like, I know it's in the word. I get it. Like, I get that he, like, I get that it's written down that he said that, but is that what he meant? Like, is that what he meant when he was like, even if I look at another person with lust in my eyes, like I should gouge my eyes. Like, did he mean that? 
Yes. He's speaking and saying, if there's something that causes you to sin, you got to get rid of it. you got to get rid of it. And the reason he's doing that is because he understands his divine creative power. He hung the stars, friends. He put oceans in place. He put the Milky Way to the sun to the seeds on a strawberry. How sweet are strawberries? They're so good. And guess what? If this was all just evolution and an accident, what would be the point of something so delicious or a galaxy that's so beautiful or things in this life? I mean, like the things that are so good in this life. I mean, have you ever had Teeling's whiskey? It's delicious. It's the best whiskey on the planet. You're going to leave church. I know. It's fine. I got one message with you, and I'm going to give you everything I got. But these things that are created by humans, I mean, they're delicious, and they're amazing. These things are just natural in the earth. They're amazing. They're, they're incredible. They burst, and the colors, and all of it. And if this was just happy accident, God, it would just look like, eh, you know, but, but it's created, and it's order. And from, from the seeds on a strawberry to plant more, more strawberries that are this minuscule to, to how you work as a human to the bacteria in your mouth, to the bacteria in your gut, like how you operate, all of this, your reproduction system, everything about you, neurons firing off, electricity in your heart, like none of this makes sense if God's not God. And none of it points anywhere if God's not God. And think about it, even the bad things in life, the bad things in life still point back to God, not because he created them, but because they speak to the depths of our souls that we need something more. He's God. And he has creative power in his authority. And yet here we are so often just going, did he mean it? Yes, he means it. Why? Because he knows how best you and I are to live. That's why last week we talked about being born again. And if we're not born again, we should figure it out if we're born again. And if we're born again, then we should figure out what we're beholding so we know what we're becoming. And we should rearrange some things in our lives. And if you missed the message, go back, listen to it. But here's my thing. This is all building upon the fact that Jesus' people, man, we live from one true authority. We have one true authority. And friends, in that authority, in that authority is life itself. Friends, can I give you another Boromir meme? One does not simply one does not simply give Jesus the keys to their life and then take them back. But yet so often this is how we live. We live in such a way where we're like, I give you authority. Except they're going to need that for Friday night. <laughs> I give you authority, except they're going to need that in my business. Whatever it is whatever it is, suddenly we begin to try and take the authority back. Can we just look at that for a second? We take authority back from Jesus. We making poor decisions, dyeing our hair blonde. Like we, 
We take, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, because I clearly know which way's up, Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Just fried the brain cells I was afforded at birth by dyeing my hair blonde. And now I'm trying to tell you how best I run my life. What? Are you kidding me? You know what I'm saying? Look at that statement. And here's the deal, friends. We try to rob the word of God of its weight because we do not understand that the word of God, the authority of God, is more serious than a heart attack. A heart attack can stop a heart, can kill a life. But the word of God is the very thing that sparks a heart and creates a life. It's more serious. It's more serious. We take so many things more serious than the word of God, yet the word of God is the very beginning of life. God spoke and there was light. God said, let us then create them in our image, male and female. God spoke and there was life. God's word is life itself. And when we try to take the authority back from God, when we have given it over to him, not only do we rob him of the authority of which he's purchased for us on the cross, we rob ourselves of life itself. When we begin to step out on God and try to build from someone else's authority, we try to live from the authority of America. We try to live from the authority of the culture today. We try to live from the authority of other people groups and other nations and we don't live set apart anymore. When we try to live a Jesus people life, but under our own or someone else other than Jesus authority, we rob ourselves of life itself. Man, how many of us know our own authority? It always leads to death. It always leads to death. Well, I don't know if you can make that statement, Pastor Matt. I've done a lot of good things in my life. I'm sure you have done a lot of good things in your life. I've done a lot of good things in my life. Problem is, all the good things I've done in my life don't amount to the God things that are possible in my life. Man, Isaiah, (laughs) the prophet, he says our good works are like filthy rags. In comparison, in comparison to God. And it's like, man, there is a divine creative power that is found in the authority of God. And yet we live out here going, but did he really say that? You know what happens? What happens is what what Matthew first says in this. He goes, man, Jesus is preaching his guts out. And he just says... You know, Jesus was a fantastic preacher. Like, he just, he had to, he had to have been. He's just the man. And he says, many will come to me. And they will even cry out, Father, Father. And they'll claim the name of Jesus, but I won't claim their name. They'll call to me and they'll say, wait, 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 didn't I? Wait, hold on, before you have clicked the button that exits. Uh, below, didn't I prophesy in your name? Like, didn't I cast out demons? Didn't I come to church on Sunday? Didn't I tithe? Like, didn't I do great things for your name? And he's going, you did great things in lawlessness. You did great things in lawlessness. You did good things in lawlessness, but you did nothing in my Father's will. 
it's entirely possible to live a life claiming the name of Jesus, but get to the end of your life and realizing Jesus never claimed your name. That's why being born again is so important. That's why full surrender is full important. That's why giving him everything is so important because it is entirely possible to attempt to live a Jesus life, but not live the way Jesus says to live life. These friends, it is heretical, heretical to give Jesus your life and then try and live it yourself. heresy. It makes us a heretic. Most people are concerned with being a hypocrite, and God's concerned with us being a heretic. And you're like, Matt, these these words are archaic. They don't mean anything anymore. No, they still mean something. These are the biggest meanings. These words mean something, because here's the deal. Back when the early church was beginning, hear me, what would happen is if you claimed to be saved by Jesus, but then attempted to live an unsaved life afterwards, you would be confronted by the church, They would ask you to repent and then change. And if you refuse to repent and you refuse to change, they would have to cast you out of the church. How many of y'all know, we all grateful, myself included, that we don't run like that right now. But that's the reality. And we look at this and we just go, these are old words that don't mean anything anymore. No, they actually mean everything. Because Jesus is saying, hey, maybe heretical offends you. Guess what? It's not biblical. It's not godly. It's not holy. It's not fully set apart, divinely anchored. It is not a Jesus life to be proclaiming the name of Jesus and then go about your day living your own life. That's not authority. It's amazing because Jesus even says, he goes, the people who will inherit the kingdom of God, it's not those that went out and lived their own will. It's not those who went out and built their own business. It's not those who went out and built their own dreams and established their own goals and did their own things on their own time with how they want them and how they thought was best. It is not those, even well-meaning people. I get it. You went out and cast out demons. That's amazing. But you were doing it to build your own platform, get your own ministry to show Matt you can lead church better than he can. And you went about your life living your own will. And he goes, but those who inherit the kingdom of heaven are those who did my father's will. My father's will, not their will, not their father's will, not their family's will, not the government's will, not America's will, not anybody else's authority. But they did God's will. I love it. I love it so much because friends, before Jesus says this next part, how many of you know that portion of scripture where Jesus is with Peter and he's trying to encourage Peter and Peter's just getting the revelation of who Jesus is and he looks at Peter and he goes, upon this rock, I will build my church. But before that moment in scripture, he told his church, you must build upon me as the rock. As the rock. You see, Jesus will build upon those that build upon his rock. Jesus only, exclusively, he exclusively builds, only builds. He doesn't say, upon this rock, I'll build upon everybody else as well. No, 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 no. 
Jesus will build his church, his people, his holy place, his holy temple. He will build their lives, but only those who by definition as Jesus people live as Jesus lives and live as Jesus says. And that means we are building upon his rock. He only builds upon those that are building upon his rock, the authority and the rock. See, our rock is not their rock. We don't build the same. We live in a time and a place where everyone is all about interior design, right? But what about God's interior design? We live in a time and place where everybody's worried about exterior design and how everything looks from the outside. But what about how God cares about what it looks like on the outside? What about God's exterior design? Did you know there is a design for your life? God didn't just fart one day and it all happened. I know that's crass, but just hear me. It's, it's not lackadaisical. It wasn't accidental. It wasn't happenstance. It wasn't for the heck of it. You are not a Hail Mary to him. You're not. He designed you. He divinely designed you. But yet so often, here we are, we're living our lives. And friends, can I just tell you, partial obedience is still disobedience. Partial obedience is still disobedience. Partial obedience is still disobedience obedience. All of a sudden, we're building our house because he goes to this next part, right? Jesus is preaching the house down, and then he goes, I'm telling you guys, there is a house that I want to build. There's a life for you I want to establish. There's a design I have for you, and I am telling you, you have to build upon this solid foundation. And how many of you know, I love this song. Get ready to sing with me. Get ready to sing with me. Ready? All right, I'm going to start, and then you, you come in on the second verse, okay? Rain came, wind blew, but my house was built on you. Your turn. Rain came, wind blew, but my house was built on you. Come on. My house was built on you. One more time. My house was built on you. For the glory of God. My house was built on you. Is this what it feels like to be Amy? Amazing. Amazing. God, I sing so much better when I don't. Uh, but I love that. I love that song. Don't you? Rain came, wind blew, and my house was built on you. I'm gonna make it through. Right? It's amazing. I do my best Shania Twain impression. It's good. Man, I feel like Amy. Anyways. We're, we're heavy. I'm trying to make it light. Listen, we love that song, but isn't it hilarious that the only time we sing that song, the only time we go to that song, we put that out in the car and we ugly cry, is when we are actually, we are singing those words, but when we sing those words, we are attempting to ask God to rescue the shambles of our lives that we didn't build on his solid foundation, instead we built them on the sand. We're singing that song, but we don't believe that song. We're singing that song, but we don't live that song. We sing that song, and yet we're asking him, I didn't build how you told me to. So you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't, it doesn't sell as many records, but it's honest. It's what we're really singing. We're going, rescue me from my own mistakes, because guess what? There would be no reason to sing that song if we weren't building on the sand. Friends, Partial obedience will always lead to total compromise. 
Partial obedience will always lead to total compromise. The second you try to build a life, build the house, build the place, build the thing that God told you to build, if it is not wholly, solely, fully, and wholly set apart, I said holy twice just for good measure, wholly set apart on the rock of Christ as our firm foundation. If it's not built fully upon him, every area of your life, partial compromise will lead to total compromise. Partial obedience will lead to total compromise. This all falls apart if it's not built fully on Jesus. In fact, all it takes is one good wind, one good rain, one good wave at the right time, and all it has to do is hit that floorboard, that joist, that beam, that you decided, no, I can keep this to myself. I can build this outside of God. I can have this part to myself. If God knew my story, he would have been like, you know what? Everything in here except this one for Matt. Like, I can build this out here. I can build outside the camp. I can have part of my life built on this other foundation. Friends, partial obedience will lead to total compromise. You don't think it will? Think about your sin outside of here. What does it do? You sin outside of here, and the next thing you know, you don't want to come to church. And so all of a sudden, sin leads to shame. Shame leads you away from church. That keeps you out of church. Not only are you led away from church, then you're led astray, and it leads you into more sin. And the next thing you know, you are in total collapse compromised. And how did you get there? How did you arrive at that point? You built one area of your life off the rock that was the solid foundation, Christ alone, the cornerstone, and you thought you could do it, and then suddenly a wave came, the wind blew, and all of a sudden your house wasn't built on him. What do you do? You run. You hide. You run, you hide. And Jesus is like, no, I died so you didn't have to live this way. Build fully on me. Return again. Adrian, will you play that video? Friends, check out the big screen. I believe there's audio. Yeah. Wow. Man, that's a live picture of Matt McClure at 16. I wanted, a, I wanted a houseboat. <laughs> ah, hey, this is where this is where Ephesians is. Oh, bummer. All right, that's good. You guys get it? That's that's what it looks like to live on the edge of what God offers us and what the world offers us. That's what it looks like when we begin to build in partial compromise. That's what it looks like when we begin to build a partial obedience. It always leads to total compromise. There's nothing that can be salvaged. There's nothing that can be saved. It has to be broken down, thrown out, burned down, reestablished, and born again. This is what it looks like. That is a picture of who you and I so often are, myself included. That's why I said it. I so often look as ridiculous and sad and broken and worthless as that. And yet Jesus is like, man, I made a way. I made a way. Worship team, you can make your way up here. I made a way. We can build a different life. You don't have to build outside of me. I've got a plan for your sexuality. You don't need to figure it out. 
I got a plan for your identity. You don't need to figure it out. I got a plan for your spouse. You don't need to date a thousand guys, have no self-esteem, and then who your husband finally ends up being gets little of you. You don't have to. I've got a plan. You don't have to spend time trying to build an empire yourself. You can serve the kingdom of God. I got something bigger and badder for you, baby. Like, this is our God. This is who he is. He is going, man, you are just like this house. When you decided, I'm going to build off the side in one of these ways, and all it took was one knock, one rain, one wind, and you are out to sea, baby. Their rock is not our rock. Their authority is not our authority. Friends, we can live. We can lead a life. We can live a life that is built on Christ alone, the chief corner stone. And you can trust his word because it is authoritative. It has creative, divine power. Here's the deal. We look at scripture. We look at scripture. We look at the early church. Feel free to play some nice behind me that makes me just sound super awesome we look at the early church and we hear the word early and we think of early man early people we think primitive we think regression we think unevolved we think underdeveloped we hear early and we're like they were primitive unevolved immature like we're so much beyond this Friends, when I look at the early church, I see revival. When I look at the modern church, I see regression. We look at early and we think it means primitive and underdeveloped. No, those are people who either walk the walk with Jesus or they walk the walk with those that walk the walk with Jesus. They were the most developed. They were the most evolved. They were the most modern and progressive. They were the most, not us. Progressive Christianity isn't found in loose morals and lousy living. It's found in biblical, biblical, biblical authoritative and truth of the scriptures of Jesus Christ, submitting our lives fully unto it. That's real Christianity. And I believe it's high time that we stop building our lives on all of these other sands around us and we get on the solid rock of Christ again. Man, if we're gonna, be, if we're gonna have last week, proclaim to be born again, suss it out, look at it, and all these things, then today, step two to this program, to becoming the Jesus people, has got to be building our lives again on the solid rock of Christ. Because all it takes is for one of your beams to be off in the sand. The devil doesn't even have to get at you. Erosion, natural things, winds, they just happen. The devil doesn't need to take you out because you built off the solid rock. You will take yourself out eventually. So would you guys stand? As we go into the song called Have It All, how fitting is that? Amy and I, we don't even plan these things. This is, again, Holy Spirit, divine order. He sewed this service together. He wrote this together. I had my message done and over with throughout the week before I ever knew what we were playing today. But everything from Team Rally up until now, this whole morning has been about getting across this one thing and one thing alone. Their authority is not our authority, and their rock is not our rock. So I want to invite you today. We're going to sing, have it all. We're going to sing, have it all, Lord. You 
can have it all. I hold nothing back. I keep nothing to myself. I will not choose how to build. God has a plan for every area in your life that is known as a house in the scripture. He's got a plan for your front door, who comes in and who goes out. He's got a plan for your living room, where you rest. He's got a plan for your bedroom. He's got a plan for your game room. He's got a plan for your prayer closet. He's got a plan for your attic. He has a plan for your yard. He has a plan for your driveway. He has a plan, a design, a divinely designed plan and order for the house that is your life. But his authority is only found on his rock. He says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, and this I give to you, go into all the world. That's scripture, baby. But his authority is only found on because he builds upon those that build upon him. He co-labors with those laboring upon him. Come on, somebody. He builds those that are building upon him. So today, let's do it. I don't care if we got to hit the remix from last week. I don't care if we got to come down to the altar. Do it right there. Go to the prayer in the back. But today, Father's Day, June 19th, 2022, this whole thing, June 19th, this could be your day where you decide to be purposeful about your living, sacrificially giving everything to God and saying, Lord, build my house. Build my house. Jesus is a better carpenter than you are wants to build your house. Let me pray as the band begins to sing. Father God, I just thank you for this morning. I thank you for this opportunity to say, Lord, have it all. God, take it all. Take it all over, God. Right now, Lord, we do not want to build our own house off of YouTube University because the first word in YouTube University is you, God. It's us. We don't want to be the authors of our house. We don't want to draw up the blueprints. We don't want to lay the foundation. We don't want to frame it up, God. We want you to frame it. We want you to lay the foundation. We want you to hang the siding. We want you to put the drywall up. We want you to decide where the fireplace goes. God, keep us burning for you. You decide, God, what our lives look like today. And we will be careful, God, to build where you say build. Remain where you say remain. This life holy, solely, fully, and wholly for you, God. In Jesus' name.